say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and holy cow, we have done it again. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to kick this one right out of the building. I am telling you, today, yes, he's here right with us. <laughs> You're going to love him, man. It is Sean Connolly, former NFL kicker. The book is entitled The Point After Oh. Man, is it good. <laughs> and I don't mean just a little good. I mean it is like great good. Folks, let me just tell you, if you have ever, ever felt like you lost a dream, trust me, Sean has lost a dream. If you ever felt like the rug just got pulled right out from under your feet, trust me, Sean got the rug pulled out from under his feet. Right? You ever felt that way? What do you do? When you don't have a plan B. Well, let me tell you something. Sean Conley is going to join us today. He's going to talk about how he discovered his plan B. He's going to give you some tips and some great insights. And oh, there are some great quotes in this book. Oh my gosh, they are fantastic. You're going to love Sean. You're going to love the book, The Point After. But before we do that, let's do what we do every week. And you know what that is, right, everybody? What we do is we talk to you about how your training is going during this pandemic, right? We talk about training in the four areas of your life, right? The the, the, the physical, the mental, the, the emotional, the spiritual, right? And then we rate ourselves on a scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding, five being average. And we check in and we, and I ask you, how's your training going? Because, you know, after, you know, interviewing all these special forces guys, guys who are Navy SEALs, you know, Delta Force, Special Operation Forces, Green Berets, right? They all said the same thing. You know what? You never you know, like bring up a level. You know what you do? You lower yourself to the level of your training. That's it, right? When you're under pressure, when you're under stress, when you're exhausted, when you're tired, when you haven't eaten, when you're hungry or hangry or whatever you are, you know what? You're going to always fall to the level of your training, which is why we got to be doing something to work on ourselves every day. Now, it doesn't mean to overtrain, as Sean's going to talk about, right? It doesn't mean that we're supposed to overtrain, but it means we got to do something. We got to keep moving. We got to keep working on ourselves, and we have four areas of our life. So let's check in physically. First of all, physically, how's your training go on a scale going on a scale of one to ten? Okay, what do I mean by training? I mean, okay, exercise of course, but are you eating right? Are you drinking enough? What are you getting enough sleep? Right? Are you, are you taking the vitamins that you should be taking and things that you're, you're doing those things? How would you rate your training on a scale of one to ten? Right. Notice I didn't say, you know, are you are you killing it in the gym? That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, are you getting enough exercise? Are you are you are you eating right? Right. You eating the right things. Are you getting away from the junk food? Are you are you drinking water? Right. Are you getting enough sleep and rest? Right. How would you rate yourself in your training? Whatever that number is. Right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what that number is. What matters is what are you going to do to get to the next number? That's what matters, right? What can you do, right? Do you need to just sleep a little bit more? You know, do you maybe you need to de-stress a little bit more? Maybe a yoga class is in your future. Huh. Sean can help you with that too, by the way, right? 
So that's your first number, whatever that number, scale one to 10. Second number, the mental number, right? My, my wife is so good about this. You know, she talks about mental loafers, right? You know who mental loafers are? Mental loafers are who do not take responsibility for their mental, their mental growth. Meaning, what are you doing to actively participate in growing your mind, right? What are you learning? What are you learning about your job? What are you learning about you? What are you learning about others? What are you doing to enhance your brain, to grow in your brain? Are you being an active participant? Or are you just sitting on the couch, being a mental loafer and letting things come at you, right? That's the, that's the question. And so you got to ask yourself, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you think you're doing in terms of being an active participant in your own mental growth? Right? Again, same thing. Whatever that number is, it is. Right? But what are you going to do to change it? Right? You, by the way, a lot of things you could do to change it. Right? Read a book. Sean's book would be great. <laughs> I'm just saying. It would be a great book to read. Right? Take up an instrument. Right? Learn something. You know, do, you know, learn a foreign language. Do, there's a lot of things you can do. Right? All right, so that's your second number. You got a physical or a mental number. How about a spirit? How about an emotional number? You know, emotionally, you know what? It, it's 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 really all about, you know, being intentional about your emotions. You know what the biggest problem is? The people that we're closest to, we have a tendency to not be as intentional about how we how we talk to them. That's really the truth. You ever noticed it, right? I mean, you, you can be nicer to somebody than you, that you don't know than you can be to like your parents or your spouse or your kids or whatever, right? But we we need to practice that same in, that same intentionality, right? To being kind, to being to being nice, right? We get to to controlling our emotions. Right? And not only is it about being kind, being nice, and, and controlling our emotions in that way, and, and especially under pressure, but then the other thing is, how well can you tap into the emotions of another person? How well can you really understand what they're saying to you? And how? And by the way, that's, again, that's intention. You have to ask yourself what you're going to do about you know really saying, I'm going, you know what, I'm going to listen. I'm going to be an active listener. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you say you're emotionally doing in, in that area? And then, you know, what are you going to do to change it, right? So you got three numbers, now leaves the fourth. Spiritually, and a lot of people go, oh, Jay, don't talk about spiritual stuff. Oh, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to tell you. Look, we're all spiritual, right? Remove the physical, the mental, emotional. What you have left is the spiritual. And you don't think you have anything left. Trust me, you have something left because there's always something inside of us that goes a little bit further, right? Sean talks about, in the book, he'll talk about that, you know, he, he played through pain. Why, well, how do you do that? Well, there's this spiritual side of you that the spirit carries you through, Right beyond what your emotions and your mind and your body is telling you, there's the spirit of a human being that pushes them sometimes in a way that that they can't be pushed in any other way. People can refresh that spirit in people. People can encourage that spirit in people. The fact of the matter is if you've got plans for the future and they haven't happened yet, but you know and you believe that they will happen and you can see it, that's faith. Faith is spiritual. Sorry, we're all spiritual. Right? And then, you know, what brings you a sense of peace? What brings you a sense of, you know, centeredness in the world of chaos that we live in? Right? Is it God? Is it nature? Is it meditation? What is it? And is it working? What are you going to do to change it? So you have four areas of your life, right? Those are the four areas. you got four numbers. And those four numbers, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, like the legs of the chair. If the, lay, if the chair is uneven, right, it's going to be bad on your posture. 
At the same token, if the chair is too small, you know what happens is that we can't sit at a table and we can't get the nutrition that we need. And you know what? Sean Connolly is someone who uh, has had to work his way to balance his chair. And I think he would tell you that even at this point, and even though we don't know each other real, real well, but I think he would tell you, I think I'd confidently say that he's still working on his chair just like I am. <laughs> just working on the legs of it. He is a native of Erie, Pennsylvania. He fell in love with kicking at the age of eight. He uh, you know, really crazily, you know, he was a soccer guy who was able to eventually play football as a kicker. And he senior year, he was the starting kicker for the University of Pittsburgh. He then began this, you know, career in the NFL and uh, signed with the, played with the Lions, the Indianapolis Colts, the New York Jets, and then finally the European Scottish Claymores. And thankfully, uh, trying to escape from the arena, they he almost played in the Arena Football League, but he escaped that. He he and his wife now, uh, Karen, uh, beautiful story, um, and she seems like just an absolutely gem uh, are now own several yoga studios and sean is a yoga instructor and uh he, for 18 years he's been leading yoga trainings and retreats all over the world and he has helped every everybody from lawyers to hollywood actors to doctors and people of all walks of life he has worked with the steelers the penguins and the and the university of pittsburgh basketball team ladies and gentlemen please welcome to the show and welcome to a new direction sean conley welcome sean Hey, Jay, how's it going? I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here because, uh, man, what a great book. Uh, just simply one of the, this is just one of those books. I couldn't put it down. My wife said to me when I, when I started, when I started, um, reading it, cause I read it in a day. I literally picked it up in the morning and could not put it down. It, I, I literally read it the whole day. And this is a 250 page book, right? And I mean, I just couldn't put it down. It was that, it was just that engaging and that, that awesome. Let's just dig in here, right? And by the way, I love the chapters of the book. The chapters of the book are, you know, kickoff, first and 10, right? So if you kind of are into the sports uh, thing, uh, it's a beautiful way of doing it. But it really is kind of cool. So let's just give a little background, right? So um, really, Dad introduces you, your father, who's been your hero, and by the way, he was a local uh, legend, uh, sports legend. He um, he introduces you to punt, pass, and kick, and this that kind of is where it gets all started, right? Yeah, that that was that was like a springboard. I, you know, at a very young age, I played all different different kinds of sports, but um, he just said, "Hey, you." Sh- you should just try this punt, pass, and kick competition. I was eight years old. We drove out to the country. You know, this is back in the eighties, no seatbelt, like away we went. And, um, (laughs) he didn't tell me until we got there, but there was, it was for ages like 11 and under something like that. So I'm like the youngest kid. And, um, it it was just, I I was just hooked after that. Even though I, I, I came in third place, I just didn't care. It was just something that I just, at that point there that, you know, I I love to play sports, but this was something kicking was something, wow, there's something more here. And, uh, that just, that just, that was like the springboard. The, the irony of it is you actually kind of lost it kicking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I did well. I did great. Yeah. First there was the, the, the punt, then the pass. I did great with both, but then I flubbed my kick, but, um, it, it, I, I just didn't care. It was just one of those things where I was just, just, it, it just completely hooked by the, by the competition and just, you know, 
I, I knew it was something I could do really well, and I just, I just, I just kept doing it. But yeah, of the, of the three that I, I did worse with the kicking. <laughs> it, I thought that, I just found that so funny that you know because you know a lot of times kids you know, and this you know you know this is kudos to your father, but you know a lot of times kids uh, you know fail at something right you know because you had a great pass, you had a great punt, but it was a kick that you flubbed. You, they would have never gone back to kicking. Right, because of the three, that was the one that you did the worst in, and yet that was the one that attracted you the most. It wasn't being a quarterback, it wasn't being a punter, you know, it wasn't being the next Ray guy. It was no, you wanted to kick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was the one that I wanted to do so well in, hmm. and so I think for that one, I remember I just I, I tried to just crush it, but I think because I flubbed it and because I just wanted to crush it, and it was something that I just just love doing the fact that it was a flub. It just, I, I think I was able to just, just bounce that off my back. This is, this is also a, a time, uh, as you start to grow a little bit older that, uh, you know, you kind of introduce us here that you are going to a Catholic school and, uh, you're, you start to realize in about eighth grade that you're starting to have a few behavioral issues are starting to show up. There's some concentration issues starting to happen. And, and, your mom takes you to the doctor and they diagnose you with ADHD, which we call now ADHD. Right. And um, one, of, one of the best stories that you tell in this chapter is you were an altar boy uh, at the at the parish. And so you, you stole the host bread. And he started passing out the host bread to your friends. And the teachers wanted you gone. But Father David said no, and this is kind of a this is kind of uh, and maybe you want to talk about this, but this is kind of that th- that one theme that goes through the whole book is that there's always been this person in your life that has kind of said no, I I, I believe in I believe in him or I I'm going to take the chance whether regardless of who it is right whether it's whether it's you know you know. Deacon Larry, who calls you pagan, whether it's Amos, you know, who believes in you or whoever it is, there's always this one person that, whether it's Karen down the road, there seems to be always that one person who, where against all odds, says, no, I believe in Yeah, I yeah, I was, I, I think I was blessed to have like angels show up like <laughs> at different <laughs> points throughout my life. And, um, yeah, when I did that, I, I, I thought I was done. I thought I was, I was, I I'd already, they had a three-step process to kick you out. So I'd already done like one, which was already something bad. And I did something else bad. Like I threw like, um, I threw snap it at the chalkboard <laughs> when the teacher turned her back. And, um, and so this was, this was number three, the host. And for a Catholic school, I, I figured it was a foregone conclusion that I, that I was gone, but yeah, f- uh, father David showed up and, he had faith in me that I could turn around and I don't know if it was his faith that I could turn around or just the, the fear of like the, the whole situation and my dad saying like, you know, this is it. Like, you know, if you, you get kicked out, no more sports, nothing. But, uh, uh, yeah, luckily for father David, he was, he went against what the principals and the teachers wanted to do with me. <laughs> yeah. I, I just wonder, I just wonder if people, you know, you know, when we look back on our lives, right. I just wonder if people recognize you know, how many times that there's been, there's always been someone who was willing to play that role of you know, kind of angel, right? I mean, cause he was, he was kind of an angel, you know, out of nowhere, right? Because he, he probably didn't deserve grace and mercy, but he gave it to you anyway. Right. 
right? Yeah. Then comes your next angel in chapter two, and her name is Karen DePosito, right? Yes. She, 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 <laughs> she's your next angel. This is the beauty about the book. All of a sudden, this, the, there's these angels that keep coming at you, right? Right? And uh, your school, which was uh, Mercyhurst Catholic, was supposed to have a football team, but and they promised you they were going to have a football team, but there's no football team, so you played soccer. And th- then you had this idea. Right. Yeah. So my idea was, you know, if you're not going to have a football team, I, I could have transferred to another high school, but I, I didn't want to do that. I liked where I was going to school. I came up with this game plan and it really started from just watching NFL games on Sunday. And this was this was back in the 80s when all of a sudden there was this influx of European soccer players coming in or that they were soccer players and they kicked them thinking, well, if if these guys can do it, I can do it. So I just devised this game plan where I would just go down to the field, which was just a few blocks from my house. And I guess you could call it a field, but it was basically just like, like gravel, stones, dirt. And I would just kick, I would kick like for hours and I figured, okay, well someday I'll, I'll walk onto a college and it'll all, it'll all work out. And you know, the, the plan, the plan actually worked. And, you know, it, I didn't tell anyone the plan. And, you know, there was one day where, where I was in the, um, cafeteria to my my good friends and when they you know we were all like the jocks and you know my friend doug i, I decided to tell him what i was going to do because we're seniors and we're talking about our college plans i said hey, i'm going to walk on to college football and he says you can't play college football you you haven't even played in high school and i took a pretzel and i just i threw it point blank he's three feet away from me. i threw it right in his forehead so that was like the first time i ever said my dream out loud so after that point i decided to keep it a secret but uh <laughs> yeah, well, well, I don't think what people understand is the chances of you being able to walk on all right, are, are so minuscule, right? I mean, to, to, to walk on to a Division One program, having never played in even a high school program, the, the odds of that are so minuscule. But you were so laser-focused that this was the plan, this is what I was going to do, and even though... You're right. Your friends who were morons at the time, as kids can often be. Matter of fact, you didn't even tell Karen, you know, when no, you, you were young. Yeah, because you were a little bit concerned what she would think. But this this plan that you had, okay, Morton Anderson is doing it. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to find a way um, to get in there. And this is really where the um, the journey of, of your life really changes because all of a sudden now your focus is crazy and then there's something else that happens to you here though in this there is an addiction that starts to occur it seems to me where getting by yourself and doing nothing but kicking becomes kind of like this uh i don't know what to call it maybe this uh you know this 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 great uh area of the hall of confidence that you are able to build in this in this little area. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you mentioned the ADD earlier or now ADHD, and that was something that now looking back in retrospect, I, I use my ADD as like an ally quite often. And I, there's no doubt. I feel like it helped drive me to, to get to where I got to help me reach my goals. The, the, the downside of the ADD was what was going on in my head when things didn't go my way at first. And so that was something that I had to balance because I would have these huge highs where something was going really well in my career. 
maybe make a kick or, or make a team or whatever it was. But then when it didn't go that my way, then I would be devastated. Mm. I was always able to like turn it around and get back, you know, in, in, in the right direction, but the drive and, 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 and the work effort, work ethic and all that stuff, you know, that that was probably supported by my ADD, but at the same time, I had to be really careful in which direction it, 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 it pushed me or pulled me at certain times. I, I, it's really interesting as I was reading this book, how you just would, there'd be times where you would just gain confidence in yourself, just being out there kicking that you could just all of a sudden, like the, the rest of your world could be falling apart. But man, as long as you were kicking, there was, there was something powerful for you in those moments. Right. And I think that was, you know, I, I look back now when I used to go kick at the field by myself and that was like, that was like my happy place. I didn't realize that at the time, but like when I was kicking at the field, like, like that was, that was like everything. And so anytime things were going bad for me, if I were to go back and do, do my thing, do, you know, go to the field, then everything is okay. Everything, everything else that's out there is now just out there. Love it. His name is Sean Connolly. The book is called The Point After. You're listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, listen, I wanted to tell you something about our sponsors here in New Direction. One is Epic Physical Therapy. Listen, they work with professional athletes like Sean, you know, and, and others, but they also work with people like, you know, you and me who suffer from everyday aches and pain, and, and we just need to get better, and we need to move better, and we need to be able to be able to operate in our lives in a little bit better way. Maybe you're recovering from injury or maybe maybe you're injured, or you're recovering from a surgery or whatever it may be. Look, the elite team at Epic Physical Therapy will provide you with a customized treatment plan that's tailored to your individual needs. Look, because they work with some some of the best professional athletes and in and elite professionals and they work with even younger athletes and you know what, folks like me you know what? Here's the deal. They understand they need to treat the entire body as a functional whole, not just their symptoms or your injury. So when you're ready for your epic relief and your epic recovery and your epic results, don't look any further. Go to Epic Physical Therapy. That's EpicPT.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, right? For 35 years, actually more than 35 years, you know what? They've been helping people all over the world buy and sell their home. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought they're located in the Research Triangle Park of North Carolina. Yeah, they are, but they help people all over the world. How do they do that, Jay? Well, here's what they do. First of all, they've created relationships with the best professionals all over the world. And the reason why they were able to establish those relationships with the best professionals is because they are unaffiliated. They do not belong to a national company. They are their own company, and that freed them up to be able to make those relationships with the best professionals in your area. So when you are really looking to sell your home or buy your home, right, go with the relationship maker, right? That's what she's been doing here in the Research Triangle Park for 35 years, and that's why her customers keep coming back since 1985 is to see her. So you know what? When you're ready to sell or buy your home, go with the relationship maker, go with the memory maker, go with the one where the customer, her customers and clients call her the legend of customer service. Go with Linda Craft and Team Realtors. And you can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A. C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction, and we are talking with uh, former NFL kicker Sean Connolly. His book, The Point After Fabulous Read, folks, uh, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, Books A Million, bam, uh, all over, just, just the, the book is great. 
folks, you're not going to want to put it down. Like I told you, I, I picked it up. I could not put it down. It was just one of those books that just, just locked me as soon as, uh, the opening, the opening remarks that Sean wrote, it had me and, uh, gripped me all the way through. And I just could not put it down the whole day. Um, Chapter three is when all of a sudden we start seeing the plans. You, you've got this idea that the plan is going to go in place. You um, actually make a phone call to Grove City College in August of 1988. And um, you talk with Coach Smith on the phone. He says, hey, you know what? We let the walk-ons come on. First day classes come and see me. And then you go and see him. And he says, yeah, we already have a kicker. And you remind yeah. you remind him, and you go, um, "Well, you told me to come in. Yeah, mm, sorry, uh, we already have a kicker, right? I mean, right? Uh, and this is when you start questioning your dream. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, this was this was the plan. You know, the plan I had in place all you know throughout high school, and it. it, it for me, it made like it made like no sense at all. Like you know, you, you, this this was your word. I'd be here and all that stuff. And when it was over, or when he said I had no chance to you know to be on the team, that was just I, I just I just hit rock bottom. I started skipping class. Uh, Grove City is is a, I don't know if it still is, but it, it it was a dry town, so we had to drive to the the nearest town, Slippery Rock, <laughs> um, about ten miles away, to go get you know six pack or whatever it may be. And I just would hang out in my room now and just start drinking. Um, I ended up getting a DUI because for me at the time, I thought like, well, this is over. This is not how it's supposed to be. Um, bombed, bombed all my classes, skipped chapel. There was mandatory chapel. It had like hand in your chapel card. So um, the semester ends. I had a 1.33 uh, grade point average, dropped out and moved back home to uh, – you circle the wagon, so to speak, but, um, it was, it was a pretty tough place for me. And, you know, all my friends were still in college, you know, and doing, you know, what, you know, what college kids do. And I'm back in my, back in my bedroom with, uh, with a wallpaper, you know, football guys on, on, you know, star Wars bed sheets <laughs> and working at the local GNC working at the GNC, <laughs> taking lots of supplements you know, because, you know, like eventually I'm going to play football again. And that was one of the benefits. Right. People would return them. They, they half opened the, you know, they, they, the protein powders. So right. I went home every day with <laughs> amino acids and ah, all the different proteins. Got it. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that you say on page 37 in three words, you said, I felt paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And yet, even though you felt paralyzed and you said that, for you, the unknown was your greatest fear. Yeah. And and I, I think that's probably true, you know, for all for all of us, especially, you know, we, we're just not sure where we're headed, you know, and we get kind of kicked in the teeth because what we thought was going to happen didn't happen, right? I think we those two things are really, really, really big, you know, that we go through, right? We, felt, we feel stuck, paralyzed, and then we are just, I don't know what the unknown is, and that scares us. It scared you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I've always struggled with the unknown, and not as much now as I as I did back then. But that was the hardest part. Was just like, now what? And you know, at the time I was eighteen, nineteen years old, and at that time that you know we think that like, like our life is over at such a, such a young age. Mm. And I, I just remember thinking. 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a complete failure, you know, and, um, I was embarrassed, ashamed, you know, like being like a college dropout. And it took me a while to, to, to move past that. And luckily, you know, kicking, um, you know, was, was, was what I think saved me because eventually I, I got back to the field and, and it, it was hard because when I dropped out, it was January and, and, and eerie at the time, like it would start snowing in November, it would cover the grass and you wouldn't see the grass again until about April to, is, is around like the college basketball final four. I remember that was like always a time when you see, you'd start to see it again. And so I just started going back to the field and that's what helped me get out of this crazy, uh, you know, you know, heavy headspace where I was just, you know, feeling paralyzed, but, you know, kicking, moving my body, getting outside, whether it was there, there you know, cause I would go kick like on the snow, I'd go there, I'd clear a spot, you know, just, you know, for my plant foot. Sometimes I would just tee the ball right in a, in a, in a little pile of snow, but it wasn't the best conditions, but to me, it didn't matter. I was doing something that I loved and it got me, it got me moving again. It was my saving grace for sure. What, what a great lesson that you have right there, right? Is that you didn't just stay still. You, you know what I mean? This is the beautiful lesson about the book is that you didn't stay still. I want to read a quote that you have on page 38 that I just found powerful. You said, opponents and disbelievers were already against me, but I couldn't even be against myself. I didn't fear failure. By practicing every day, I knew what I was capable of. I cultivated a faith and belief in my ability. I realized that my so-called future failure with the coach at Grove City was needed. I would continue to seek out challenges. I accepted that would experience that I would experience more failures in these challenges, but that would not only strengthen my resilience and help me be the best I could be. Nothing could stop me, not even my ADD. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, at, at first, I when this whole thing happened, I tried to blame everything on Coach Smith because he wouldn't let me mm-hmm. come on the team. But as I worked through that whole process, like, you know, it, it didn't. It, his, his decision really had nothing to do with my life, but it, t- it took me probably like three months to work through that. And then I realized like, Hey, I, I, I still, I can still make this happen. And, and what he did to me, you know, I'm not a victim. And I think I went through that stage of like thinking, you know, what was me, you know, I'm a, I'm a victim here being, but, but I can't play football there, but it, it doesn't matter if, if I look at it that way, there's no way I'm going to be able to be able to move on. Yeah, that's a great. There's the other great lesson, right? Is that we either we either will take on a victim mentality, mm-hmm. or we'll go, no. You know what? I need this. This is what's going to prove my resilience in the long run. And, that, and man, you know, we you know, in the beginning of the show, right? I talk about the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, right areas. You know, the one thing I can't, you know, even as a coach to businesses and business professionals, you know, I can't teach you resilience. You, you have to go through it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's that's the beautiful thing about, you know, this part of your life because this is, you're 18, 19 years old and you're, you're discovering this then. There are people in their 50s who still haven't discovered it. That's pretty cool yeah. for you. It really is. So then what happens is um, Gannon University, your father throws the throws a paper at you. I think it is. Gannon University is going to where your brother is going to college. Decides that they're going to start a football team, and lo and behold, Angel shows up. You get accepted. <laughs> Despite one point three three, you get accepted, and you meet Coach Tim Herman. 
And he makes this quote. He said, it doesn't, doesn't matter if anyone's ever played before. Everyone who wants to play is going to get a chance to show how they can help the team. And you said four words, I found a home. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, he he was another angel. I mean, the fact that you know they hadn't had a football team since like the, the end of World War II, and all of a sudden they have this coach. He just needs bodies. He needs he needs anybody. I'm going there into his office to ask him if I could be on the team, and I'm still I still got the the, the Coach Smith Grove City thing going on in my head that I'm going to be rejected, and it was like the opposite of that. And so it, it couldn't have been like a like a better situation for me to just you know be on this. T- brand new team with, with all these kids. And it was such a crazy setup of different kids. You know, we kid, we had kids who were like, who like were in the army and they were Marines and, and, and now coming to college. So there was like ages 18 to 27. And it was just like, we're, we're all a bunch of ragtag uh, players and kids, but it was like the perfect environment for someone like myself, who was this ragtag, somebody who just wanted to be part of something. And that's who we all were. We're all these kids that just wanted to be part of something because a lot of us, you know, there are division three kids who wanted to play D one and they were high school stars, but they were too short or they weren't quite fast enough. And so it was just like the perfect environment, you know, for me to like, you know, take the next step in my, in my dream was around these types of players and coaches who just did it for the love of the game. Yeah. And, and that's where you meet coach Comer and he's the first one that comes out of nowhere after you kick like, um, several balls into the tennis court um, over the goalpost, by the way. And uh, he, he had his little favorite pet kicker, but then he sees it. Right. He's, he's the, he's the first one who says to you, he looks at your talent and he says, son, you can play in the NFL. How'd that feel? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it, it was funny. Cause you know, we, we th- you know, we've talked a few times about these angels. He, he at first I thought was the, the devil. Because he's like, <laughs> he's, the, 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 so the first awesome. the, the first practice he's making fun of me because i like i have like a soccer shoe on the right and i have a, a football shoe on the left and, and the first practice on the field i looked at the depth chart and because i hadn't i didn't play in high school i'm like number like six or seven or whatever it was and you know it was on this big cinder block wall and they make you know they just scribble down the names and so i come out and he's like you know like like this he makes me kick last after everybody else. And then within a matter of like, like two hours now, everything completely shifted when he saw me, when he saw me kick. <laughs> and, and by the way, you wind up being the starter. Uh, and uh, you, you, you started zero for four. <laughs> you went four for eight by the end of the year. And you are be a little hard on yourself, but it's kind of funny. It's a funny line. You said, I was the happy Gilmore of kickers. <laughs> I mean, because you said, you know, I could kick it a country mile. I just couldn't, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you could kick it forever, but you just couldn't find the post, um, you know, in during the game. And you, you talk about that for kickers, you know, the minimum expectation is a 65% accuracy rate. Yeah. 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 And that's, that, that's college and, you know, NFL, if you're under 80, you know, that won't cut it. Really? So it's yeah. Wow. And, uh, wow. And yeah. And it depends on like the level, like, so like division three, it's much lower, but once right. you get to division one, like you've got to make two out of three, otherwise you know, no job. But yeah. in the NFL right. now it's, I would say it's, it's, it's four out of five. And, and also when, when you make them two, 
there's that's factored too. So you could make four out of five kicks in the NFL, but if that one out of five that you miss is a couple game winners, right? That's that's probably it. Well, you talk you talk about throughout the book that you're only as good as your last kick. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. and and you know, people who watch the NFL, right? I mean, the Let's be honest. What was it last year, the year before, or whatever? When, whenever they started moving the um, extra points back in the NFL, mm-hmm. but were we going through kickers like crazy? Did you think like maybe you uh, could come, you should come out of retirement? Oh, I, I was, I was actually the opposite. I was so glad I wasn't part of that. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, because you know the, the extra point at twenty yards, it's it, 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 you almost have to try to miss it to miss an extra point. I mean, you have to really flub it. Right. I mean, you, you can you can miss hit it, but you're so close, it's probably going right. to go through. Um, but the thirty yarder now, that's like the point where things are now. Okay, now you, there, there's 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 some like some margin of error, like is right. now shrunk. So if there's a little miss hit, you can miss it. So now I see these guys and. My special teams coach at Pitt, Amos Jones, he's still in the NFL. He's with the Giants now. And, you know, we talk here and there. And and that was the one thing we talked about. He says, like, look out, because now with this 30-yard extra point, every single kick now is a field goal. There's no more yeah. extra points. You know, there's right. no more chip shots. So, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, and then NFL teams, when they saw them missing the extra points, that was, that was dramatic. Well, well it, it, all of a sudden, you know, because like you talk about confidence is everything for a kicker, right? And so if if all of a sudden you start missing a few, I mean I you know Stephen Goskowski this year, you know God bless him, you know he boy he came out of the gate struggling a little bit, you know, but thankfully you know they stuck with him only because of his history. But man, a lot of kickers who had gone through that they would be done, and they're mm-hmm. by the way you're fired. You know, I mean, right. the, we because we see that we saw that a few years ago. I mean, it was like there were teams that were going through kickers, like if there was a new kicker once a week. It was, I remember. Well, because I'll get texts too. Like I'll get texts from friends around the country. Like you want to come out of retirement, and I'm like, okay, wh- which kicker now, you know, missed two kicks? So it happens all the time. Like the Steelers kicker was struggling to begin the year. Hey, you want to come out of retirement? And, you know, and then it's just even fans they see once the kicker misses two in a row, all of a sudden right. they're done with him. Right. It's like right. Oh my gosh, it's it's just it's cra- your your life is crazy. There is, you know, it's really hard to compare. You know, your dream, your career with any other career, because, you know, people don't understand. We make a lot of mistakes in our businesses, right? And I I guarantee you it's the mistakes that we make are huge. Nobody gets fired. You miss a field goal that potentially could have won the game that could put your team into the playoffs. You aren't coming back. Mm-hmm. They're they're packing they're packing up everything for you, right? The Turk yeah. shows up at the door, and you know before it before you even even can get yourself, you're not getting on the bus. You know to go back to the airport. That's I think that's what people don't understand about your job. The pressure of your job was immense. That's why it's it's a very special group of people that can do this because you found out very quickly as soon as there were fans in the stage. I mean, you could kick all day long, but as soon as there's fans, boy, that was a game changer, wasn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and it, and it it's always a weird roller coaster because you could be riding this. I've made five in a row, 
But then there's this one voice in your head saying, hey, but don't miss the next one, <laughs> you know, because then you could go in that direction. So you you could have these you know moments of like where you're feeling really confident, but, you know, that other voice is some is, is there, you know, and, and I went through ups and downs where I felt like, you know, luckily for me, my senior year at Pitt, like I, I got in a zone where I felt like I, I couldn't miss. Right. But, you know, there's other times when you're when you're when you're feeling the pressure, like maybe maybe you just happen to have a bad practice before that game. So that's like your most recent experience. So it, it's all over the board. Like when I watch kickers in the NFL right now and I'll see a team get down on a kicker because he's missed two in a row. Well, well statistically, he, he's probably going to now make his next two kicks and now they right. want to get rid of him. Right. So that's one thing I always like, you know, give the give the kid a little bit more, give the guy more of a chance than that because right. he's probably now gotten those out of his system. He's now due to to go on a streak of of of, of making them. There there's another lesson in that, isn't there? Is that sometimes we can make a mess of stuff, but if we give if we give people a little bit more rope, they generally will come back, won't they? Absolutely. Right? I mean, that's that's kind of that's, I mean, because I, it just seems to me like you have a perspective, you know, in for business people that we don't think about quite often is that, you know, we get into this mentality of fire, you know, higher, slow, fire, fast, right, or vice versa, and 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 sometimes what happens is this person keeps missing, keeps missing, keeps missing, but if we held on just a little bit longer, all of a sudden they would start making, start making, start making, because that's that's what happens when you you know, continually practice and do the right things, right? Is that it's going to turn around. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, if if there's like a track record to the experience, you know, I, I understand when I see these teams that the kicker's new and has, ha, hasn't, you know, put together like a, a body of experience. But, you know, it's, it, it's, it's hard because you can never quite – like get it, get into these, these, these kickers heads. And I think that's the, the challenge that these teams don't have is like, where exactly are they at? And, you know, unfortunately for kickers, we're, we're head cases for multiple reasons. It's not just making and missing. It's also the, am I really part of the team? Right. You know, I always try to really be part of the team to like a degree of that was like, would be too much. I would, I would be in the weight room with all the, the, the linemen and the, the linebackers, you know, uh, bench pressing and squatting. And, and it, Part of it was yet to be a stronger kicker, but part of it also was like I wanted to be, you know, fully accepted. Right. Now, unfortunately, that that ended up biting me in the ass because I trained so much beyond what I needed to do that eventually my body body broke down due to too much kicking and too much time in the weight room. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to talk about that. You're listening to Sean Conley former NFL kicker and his book, The Point After, here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, I just want to tell you that we got these two great sponsors here on A New Direction, and they are fantastic. You know Epic Physical Therapy. I love them, right? You know, outside of the fact that they've got just the great greatest people in the world, and I go there, I get my physical therapy done there. They got, they do. They just have the most qualified staff. That it's They're amazing, right? But they also have some of the most top-of-the-line equipment. You know, the anti-gravity treadmills, the Norma Tech per- compression sleeves, the Game Ready, which I constantly talk about, the, you know, cold ice water and compression that just takes the swelling out of your joints and legs. Look, they are trained in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available, blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling. They'll even, you know, put some electrodes on that thing and whoo 
that'll that'll light you up. Trust me. And then cupping, if you've ever seen those uh, circles on the back of uh, swimmers' backs, right? It's the cupping. They manipulate the muscle through the skin. Sean may even know something about that too, a little bit. But look, here's the deal: you you are going to find that you are going to have a whole functional whole body experience right there at Epic Physical Therapy. If you want your Epic Relief, Epic Recovery, and Epic Results, don't look anywhere else. Start with Epic, right? Go to EpicPT.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, you know what? You know, since 1985, she's been at the top of her game in real estate. Why? Well, it's because she believes in relationships. You know, I say it every week. You know what? You never remember what your grandmother paid for her house, but you remember it. Every memory that you ever had, you remember every apple pie, every cherry pie, right? You remember the moments that you had, right? Because that's really what makes the home the home, right? And she understood that, right? Yeah, she's going to get you the best price, right? She's going to take the stress out of it, out of the real estate transaction. But you know what's really big is the fact that she understands that those memories are so important to you and she wants to protect, protect those. Right? That's why she's known as the memory maker, the relationship creator, right? And she maintains those relationships over the course of time. So look, when you're ready to sell or buy your home, just just stop. Start with Linda Craft and Team Realtors. Just go to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here on A New Direction, and we are talking with former NFL kicker Sean Conley and his book, uh, The Point After. Fabulous read. I keep saying it, but it really... Uh, I. I cried. I, I'm going to be honest. I cried. I laughed. I it made me think, and uh, it just it was just an outstanding read. So folks, uh, don't hesitate to get it. So uh, you do get accepted at Pitt. You actually get not only get accepted, but you outkick everybody. You meet your next angel of Am- Amos Jones. But this is when your body starts giving you signals that it's falling apart. Yeah, I um, Amos was probably probably the, well, yeah next to Karen probably the biggest angel. But he um, he helped me in so many ways. But yeah, I before that year. So so when I transferred to Pitt, I had to sit out and I couldn't play that year. So what I did was I just trained like crazy. I would go to the the. The, the local college nearby, the other college nearby, I'd run up and down the stadium stairs. And because I was training so much, this is when injuries started to creep in my back, my hip, I started seeing the chiropractor. And so, yeah, this was the first and signs that something, something was amiss, but, you know, being, being 21 years old, this was, you know, this was just part of it. So I just started to just play through the pain because that's what, you know, that's what football players did. So <laughs> at the time I, I didn't think this was something that was going to eventually catch up to me. So I just kept training the same way I, I knew and just, just, just push through the pain. Yeah. By the way, for any, for those of you who, who have, you heard him say that we played through pain for, I don't, I don't care what level of football you played. I, we think we have all who played understand that, uh, there was a difference. We were told there was a difference between pain and injury. And uh, right, you pay, you play through pain. You can't play with an injury, right? Is that how you remember it? How did you distinguish those two things for you? Yeah, I for me because most of my injuries were from overuse. I just I just kept playing playing through them. Um, there was also the the whole thing about you know, do you tell your coach when you have an injury? So mm-hmm. when I was at Pitt. 
I waited till it was like the second to last game to finally tell my coach, Amos Jones, that I was having problems with my hip. He actually, you know, he was way ahead of his time. And he said, you know, you know why are you tell me this now? You know, like you, right. you, I'm not, I'm not going to bench you. You're still going to play, go take care of it. So that was a little shocking because, you know, I, I'd seen that on the team where players would, you know, right. they would you know, reveal an injury and that was it. They never, they never got their starting position back. So this was something that carried with me when, when I, when I went to the NFL that I just, you know, I would not tell any of the coaches if I had any injuries, which I end up having them with, with, with the Colts. And I would just, just keep that a, keep that a secret and just keep playing because I knew where I stood in the whole hierarchy of, of, of players on the team that I had to just like, you know, keep any injuries you know to myself. And, and by the way, it, it got it based on what you tell us in the book, they, they just got worse and worse. It wasn't getting, you know, regardless of what you were doing, it seemed like it just kept getting worse. Is that, I mean, cause you, would, you, you described it like you would just freeze up, like you couldn't even move. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was, there was mornings, it was about three or four days before our game against Notre Dame, my senior year in college. And I, I woke up and I was, I was completely locked up and I had to like roll off the bed. I had to crawl into the bathroom um, on my hands and knees to go to, to, to go to the bathroom. I had to, I had to relieve myself using a, a red solo cup that was sitting there. And, uh, that, that had, that wasn't just the first time that happened. That was something that would start to, to reoccur, um, many times where all of a sudden I, w- I would just be locked up. And then I became somewhat addicted. You could say to, um, muscle relaxants, muscle relaxant, relaxants. So I'd started taking those at pit and then I would always get prescriptions for those. So anytime throughout my football career, whenever I would get locked up, I would just take these muscle relaxant relaxants, which worked okay but they may be like super sleepy super groggy and they weren't doing anything about what was actually causing all this yeah so this is this is where you're you're playing through all of this and matter of fact what happens is is that you (laughs) it's chapter nine it's called the two-minute warning and it literally starts off with a quote we can't let the missile touch the ball (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they're of course referring to they're referring to Quadri Ishmael, and uh, you you hit a kickoff, and it doesn't. You tell everybody right, it's going to go one way. You hit the kickoff, your your hips closed down or shut down, and you kicked it. You didn't even kick it into the end zone, and you everybody's going the wrong way, and you're stuck trying to make a tackle. <laughs> <laughs> That didn't go. Yeah, we had no. We we had this little secret thing. Like right before I would kick it, I'd look down, I'd see where the missile is, and I would tap. If I tap the right, you know, depending on what time uh, side of my helmet I tapped, that's which way I was kicking it. So yeah, because my body was starting to break down, I wasn't able to do what I needed to do, and it went to the left when it should have went right. He comes right down the middle. Like uh, uh, a kicker's greatest ally is the sideline. If I can get the angle, move him towards the sideline. I can get him to go out of bounds, maybe get him to change direction. Unfortunately, he goes right up the middle. <laughs> and so eventually him and I meet smack dab in the middle or rather around the 50 yard line. I have no, I have no sideline to work with. I have, I have nothing. So I made this lunge to get him. I maybe grazed part of his, his Jersey. Um, he goes out. Luckily we had like a, like a, a high school all state sprinter on our team. He tracks him down around the 10, but I go home that night. Um, it's Halloween night. And I'm out to the bar with with my with with my roommate, 
and there it is, ESPN, the play of the game. <laughs> and there it is, and it's me missing the missile. And for the rest of the night, it would pop up like on, on ESPN every half an hour. There there was the play. So, uh, yeah, a lot of lessons in that one, I guess. <laughs> well, at some point, right, I mean, I know looking – I know it's miserable, right? There's nothing – listen, I remember, I remember playing in college, and I – was I was playing nose guard. There was this quarterback who was very fleet of foot, and they would play the stupid. They would play the one play over and over again in films every year when we played this team uh, that I played against in college. And here's what you would see: you would see me that I had this open shot at a sack, open shot. He makes one adept small move, and you see. My feet and my hands slide right by as he throws a touchdown pass, right? Because I missed it. By the way, they kept showing that film over and over and over again. I hated it. I <laughs> I hated it. I can't imagine. and Because they would show it in team meetings. Like, it'd be the next year. And here... Hey, I want to sh- we want to show you what we want to show you what Jay did. You know, it, this is what Jay did, right? Oh, great, thank you so much, right? I mean, it was it was like a highlight reel, right? And I can't imagine if it was on ESPN. I would be, I would just be, oh, oh, oh God, no, not again. I'd stop watching ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, at the time too, that was like the only media. There was right. There might have been ESPN two at the time. There was no Twitter or anything. So right. like, that was like like the highlight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. What people don't understand is that we, when, when you and I went to college and ESPN came out, that was it. Mm-hmm. That was, that was our only source of, you know, 24 hour sports. That, that right. was it. Right. right. You know, if, the, if there was a game on ESPN, like that was like the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really, it really, it really was. Well, you come out of college, you're, you're, you are told that you were the third best kicker in the draft um as you meet with the giants um and um the draft comes and the draft goes and you don't get drafted yeah there was um there was a handful of kickers you know my my agent you know when he would talk to teams they would they would tell him you know where i was like their pecking order so it, it it seemed like really positive, you know, on on the on the day of uh, of the draft. There was a lot of teams that needed kickers. There's a lot of teams that had you know, kickers that were you know get, getting too old, had really bad bad um uh, bad seasons the, the year before. So you know we had like four or five teams that thought you know that that, that my my agent thought they would draft me, and you know teams came and went, and they they took kickers, and it's just you know it's just one of those things where you just there's a whole numbers game. And, uh, you know, I was like, I was one of those kids just kind of like sitting there on the couch as like the names kept going, kept going, kept going. And, uh, the, the phone never rang until luckily after the draft, which right. ended up being, uh, actually a better scenario, I think most likely than I would have got drafted. Cause then I, then I wouldn't have had a choice. So right. it actually, it actually worked out, it worked out in the end. But you know, when I didn't get drafted, I thought, oh man, this is the worst thing in the world. It's over, but right. It wasn't. <laughs> and you got your, you got, you got to play a little bit with D- Detroit, and um, you, you got to play a little bit with New York, New York Jets, the Colts. But there came a time when it was just over. You, you knew, you knew your body. You just, you just done too much to your body. The, matter of fact, the Jets were was the final piece when the doctor was trying to find your hip flexor, and 
they couldn't find your hip flexor muscle. Right. Yeah. I was so driven to like, like have this NFL career and go out on my own terms that, you know, now looking back, I guess it had to take something somewhat like catastrophic, so to speak, not to to build it up too much that I just couldn't do it because if, if I would call a football team and get a, get a tryout or my agent would get me a tryout, like I would, I would take it. But when I was with, with the jets and the doctors looking around, he's looking around for a few minutes and he can't find anything. He tells me that the, 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 the hip flexor's gone. Like that, that was, that was finally it. Um, I actually didn't even accept that at the time because I was right. like, okay, I can't, he says I can't physically do it, but I refuse to believe that because I still could do it, right. but I still had pain. Uh, I would kick 10 balls. Nine would, would, would be normal strength. One wouldn't be. So I, I, I couldn't let go. And the only reason why I couldn't let go, because even though I knew I couldn't physically, it was just because I had in my head, like, this is, this is not how it's supposed to end. Mm. So then I, I kept going and kept going. And then eventually finally realized, okay, you got to step away. But it, it, it took more than just physical to, 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 to knock me out. I had to work through the whole mental process of it. Let's, let's discuss this a little bit about, you know, not going out on your own terms, because I think I can't speak for everyone who's listened to the show all over the world, but I know that there are people who listen to the show that have had dreams and they've been shattered. Right. And this is just, this, this isn't the way it was supposed to go. This, this isn't, this isn't what was supposed to happen. This wasn't the way I scripted it out. This wasn't the plan. This wasn't the way I was going to manage it. This wasn't the way that I, I saw it. And, and I've spoke with a number as you and I've talked about, I spoke with a number of, you know, former professional athletes who, you know, it just ended college athletes. It just ended. They all talk about going into this dark place. What was that like? Yeah, you know, I, I think when it, when I say like I didn't want to go on my own terms, it was there was another element of like I had in my mind how it was all supposed to go. So I was supposed to be in the in the NFL for let's say ten or fifteen years. I'm gonna get married. I'm gonna have this family. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna make enough money where after my NFL career ends, like I could do whatever I want. And so I think that was. Be- that became so ingrained in me when it was all of a sudden the rug was just pulled out that I just, again, it was, it was like a moment going back, like where I was just paralyzed yet this time now being older and there being more stakes and that the actual dream being over, I was, I was paralyzed for quite a while. And it, it, it took me, you know, I, I think a few years mentally to be able to, to get beyond it, you know? And I think it was because everything was supposed to go to this plan and the plan didn't go that way that it just, it just, it just, it just, I just came crashing down and just didn't know what to do next. And so I, I spun wheels for a while. And and the hardest part was like, like, like the regret where I would just start to replay my career thinking, Oh, if I would have done this, I would still be playing. Like, let's Mm -hmm. say I would have, wouldn't have trained as much. I would still be playing. Or let's say this team drafted me instead of the Lions, then I, I could still be in the NFL. So I, I went through that for a while thinking of, oh, all these different things. If this one little thing would have happened different, I'd still be in there. So I that was that was a couple of years of going through that until you know I was able to, 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 to move on from that. Look, if you were to give somebody some advice, you know, that's 
lost their dream now looking back at it in a different way. And if you could give somebody some advice about, you know, listen, I know you lost your dream. Okay, maybe I didn't handle it the right way. Let me tell you how, if I were to do this over, how I might handle it different. What would you say to them? Yeah, I, I, I would just say that, you know, every moment that, you know, that we're spending looking at this door that's been, you know, shut in our face, that we're missing opportunities to do something else. Like I, I, I've, I've seen this quote out there before, like, you know, we spent all this time, you know, staring at the door that, you know, we're, 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 we're missing something else out there. Like, cause you're just staring at the door, staring at the door. Staring at the, and that was me. I just like, I stared at this door for, for years of what, you know, of this, you know, this dream that I had that was supposed to go a certain way that I was missing all these other opportunities that I could go on. And I think also the other thing that I think makes sense now too, is like, I'm, I'm glad now looking back that my career was as short as it was because I was able to then move on and, you know, find other careers that were, that were so much more fulfilling than, than the NFL, which I thought was like the greatest, but now looking back, it, it, it wasn't like, you know, you know, finding you know, like what I do now and other jobs I've had since then have given me, have given me even more fulfillment, but it's, it's, it's that, you know, being locked on to like, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how it's supposed to be. It's, it's just, it, it's, it's, it wasn't good you know, for my health. And I think about how I was, I was just, you know, st- you know, stuck with there, you know, and, and it hurt me, not just, you know, uh, you know, uh, my body wasn't beat up physically, but like how it affected my mind, how I just thought life was over, but it was just, you know, looking back now, it was just, just a waste of time to think like that. It affected your relationships too, right? I mean, it, it wasn't just, right. I mean, it was, sure. a big, it was affecting everybody. I think that's a, I think that's the thing that people miss in that whole, that whole thing is that, um, you know, that, you know, it's, it doesn't, it, it does take its toll on you, but it's also taking its toll on everybody, you know, because sure. I mean, yeah. And, and go ahead. Yeah. No, I say my, my wife, Karen was like always, you know, she's always been like my biggest support, but now I look back and like, you know, she had to like, like, you know, be my therapist after that. And I think back and like, wow, that I wasted so much of her time for her saying, Hey, it's okay. You know, that, you know, like you, you know, you're an NFL player. It all worked that well. But like, I look back and how like, selfish that is for for me to have had to have her do that and she did it willingly and like that's like that's like the who she is but like to 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 have had to have her put all that time and effort to like help help me move on you know was 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 really not necessary and i you know it uh you know i wish i would have moved on quicker and it's all like water to the bridge now and but um but you know now nowadays like when something doesn't go right, like in our business or life, like, you know, I, I still look back to those days where I, I held on to the past too long and I just try to move quicker forward, you know, whenever, as soon as possible now. And there's still like always that processing that'll happen, but I've, I try to shorten that, that processing time. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Listen, we've been on for an hour and uh, you've been gracious. So gracious. I, 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 first of all, thank you. For, yeah, no, thank you. And, and this has been a this has been a blast for me. Um, the show's called a new direction because we help people try to find a new direction in their life, their career, their business, success, leadership. And you've you've clearly done that. But if you could give people one last little, you know, Sean Conley, former NFL kicker, new direction, what would you leave people with? 
Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, one of the things that we can do for ourselves, like when we do get in these these dark places where we feel stuck or we're stuck, you know, um, you know, you know, in the past, think about, oh, I wish things would have gone this way or or we're always thinking, like, think about the future. Think this is how I want it to be. And and we're, we're always in this headspace or we get stuck in that space. I, I think one of the best things that we can do for ourselves these days is is to is to get out. And, you know, you talked a lot about it in your show there is 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 we have to find time each day if possible of getting this headspace, whatever it is, whether it's yoga, whether it's meditation, whether it's just taking a walk in the woods, whether it's going for a run, like anything. But I, I, I've, I found for me, like that's what really helped me move on from my football career. It wasn't just time. It was when I did start to take up yoga and meditation. And there's other ways to, to, to get that, that clear mind, but that's what that helped me do. When I, when I spent time you know, doing yoga, I was able to just look, look at things with like a different perspective. And so nowadays that, that's why I teach and that's why I'm so passionate about it. Cause I know it helped me move on from that headspace, but it still happens today. You know, like I'll, I'll maybe get into something like going on with like, uh, like, you know, you know, my mom's health. And so I'll be really like all wrapped into that. But if I go like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to now like go do some yoga for 20 minutes, or I'm going to go for a walk in the woods for 20 minutes. It really helps me get out of that. And so that's where I find like, that's how I can tap into my creativity. That's where I can, I can tap into like you know, moving beyond places where I'm stuck with the business or whatever it is. And so I, I think that's always helpful for new direction and is to, is, is to always make time, like make that part of, of, of your daily routine. So yeah, your daily routine is doing like your to-do list for work and for home, but there also has to be something about taking care of yourself on that to-do list because not only are you going to benefit, but all the people that you interact with, you know, um, are going to benefit as well when you take time for yourself to, to, to clear your mind and, 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 you know, you know, give yourself that time. His name is Sean Connolly. The book is titled the point after available bookstores everywhere. Folks, he was great. Wasn't he? He was so great, right? You know what I tell you every week, right? Be inspired because when you're inspired, you know what? That means you'll inspire other people. And when they're inspired, that means that they'll inspire other people. And in turn, that makes this world a great place. Doesn't it? I'm going to be back next week with another great guest, another great book, another great show. As I say to you, all everywhere. Ciao, everybody. Miss you, Bob. And the answers don't make sense You've got to keep your hope alive You've got to know you can survive This is your time to fly A new direction, a brand new day A new direction, things are gonna change Dreams will take you places